and welcome back to another episode of Everything in Potteration, because sometimes the internet can be too much. This podcast is crowdfunded by one, two, three people, because three's, three's a crowd. Right, guys? Right, guys? I didn't know guys? y'all were throwing money into this. Guys? Wait. You guys are throwing money into this? No. <laughs> Cricket. I, I, I wrote a $500 check for this? Uh, we're, I don't know, man. What well, is there a way to fund podcasts? It sounds like a thing that would happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. actually, no, no podcast has ever been funded ever. No one makes money off podcasts, really. You're kind of just doing it for I'd the like love of the money. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, podcasting is no banana stand. That's for sure. There's not just, you know, the profitable business, unless you're those people that are just like, you know, we start we shut our podcast down because we didn't get sponsored within like 48 hours of starting it because, you know, apparently you can get fun. You can get sponsored by Casper within 48 hours. I mean, we did. At least I did. I guess I didn't share it with you guys. So that guy over there is Colin. I'm Robert. (laughs) I'm Uh, I'm a stretch goal for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm Daly, and uh, starting at $5, you can help fund my life of luxury that I'd like to become accustomed to. With potato salad. You don't salad. get anything back, but um, you just get to know that I'm happy, and that should be enough. For $5 a month, that's the peace of mind I want. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, welcome to the crowdfunded episode of Everything in Potteration. Today, we're talking about crowdfunding but not just any crowdfunding we're going to talk about successfully crowdfunded projects that ended up being good okay so like there's a lot of crowdfunded projects that get made out there that get all the funding that they need if not more so by several times over but they end up you know the final product product is is mediocre or even bad but we're not, or never you know, happens we, we we've we've had a lot of negativity on the podcast lately just a lot a lot of covering some some more negative material just because that's how it goes sometimes on the internet we want to take this episode to be a little bit more positive we want to talk about some 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 good stuff some stuff that we liked on the internet some some stuff that just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside because you're like you know people spend money on this and you know crowdfunding definitely has its negative side right let's not let's not you know act like it's it's all sunshine and rainbows because there's a lot of, you know, there's people out there that have to use it to pay their medical bills. And there's a lot of people that have to use it for reasons that it shouldn't be used for. And there's a lot of debate around, um, you know, should people get equity when they do crowdfunding? We'll get into that a little bit. But I want to start with Robert. Talk mm-hmm. about what is a good, what is an example of a good crowdfunding project with a good end product? Uh, with a good end product, very few. But. A uh, pretty classic example from the video game space, which is probably one of the few that you could pull out of your hat, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, that uh, spiritual successor to Castlevania by Koji Igarashi-san, Iga himself. Um, it's basically Castlevania 15 or whatever we're at now, but just with different characters. Um, and I remember that game got delayed multiple times after its Kickstarter, which did raise like five and a half mil, which is pretty good, right? Um, but because of all the delays... There was a lot of worry, like, oh, no, is this going to live up to it, right? But mm. it actually did, you know? Amid uh, train wrecks like Mighty Number no. 9 and Shenmue 3, it's kind of nice to see Bloodstained actually deliver. 
I didn't even yeah. know that was a crowdfunded project. I just remember it coming out and being like, hey, this is a lot like Castlevania and you like Castlevania. So I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, the, the video for it is is Iga in like a fedora and a whip and he's like a vampire hunter or something. And he's just like, I'm making a new game. <laughs> I love it. it. Can he yeah, be the it, main character? Could that have been a stretch goal where it's just him in the fedora and the whip? If only he if should have only. at least been a costume. And that that's the funny thing is there's a lot of through lines here too with uh video games getting funded and there's even as we speak now there's there's still a lot of video games being being funded on kickstarter there's something with like the uh the suikoden like spiritual successor a lot of spiritual successors oh yeah are, Iuden, Iuden chronicles right yeah something like that I, just a lot of sp spiritual successors are getting funded through kickstarter and i will say too that um daily it's especially weird that um Hello? Waving Hi. your arm? Yeah. Hi. One of the projects I'm very excited about happens to be a game that's being crowdfunded on Kickstarter. Um, it hasn't come out yet, um, but it's not quite a spiritual successor, but it is a, it's just, it's Pokemon. It's called Kindred <laughs> Spirit. It's, uh, no, Kindred Fates. And it is, what if your Pokemon die permanently? And also so they're sentient creatures that can talk. So it's a Nuzlocke. Kind of, yes. Um, and it's very much trying to deliver on some of the uh, expectations and not quite met promises of the open world of Sword and Shield. Um, and it originally just had a goal of uh, 50,000. And at this moment, it has uh, 6,800 and... Uh, Eight, wait, 80, 600, a lot of money. Big money. Big money. They met mm -hmm. all the, just about all their stretch goals. So eventually, should this go through, which I sincerely hope it does, you'll be seeing that on the Nintendo Switch and PC. Oh, we have a Pokemon competitor. I mean, wasn't there another, Temtem? Was that crowdfunded? Temtem, I don't remember if that was crowdfunded, but it is early access, which is like sort uh, of in the same vein. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so in case it isn't already abundantly clear, it's kind of hard to dodge and weave <laughs> all the bad crowdfunded stuff. Um, I mean, so, I don't, I don't want to say Temtem's bad. I don't want to imply no, that. No, yeah. I'm just saying there's just a lot of like, either we're still waiting for this or it's like, oh, this doesn't look great. You know, it, I don't know. It, it, crowdfunding is a weird space. And I will say too earlier about um, uh, Ritual of the Night. The weird thing about that is like daily, if you didn't know that was crowdfunded, but then you went and played it like blindly, I, there's just so much weird stuff in there because it's a crowdfunded game that like you're, you're going to have absolutely no context for any of it. Like uh, like people could have their pets or their cats or something put into the game or something weird like that. Huh? Uh, there's an enemy that is a floating portrait frame, and I believe it can be pictures of people who've crowdfunded the game. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just like strange Easter eggs and things like that, where like if you play it outside the context of knowing that it's it's crowdfunded, you get you get little things like that. I mean, isn't uh, that kind of the would, would you argue that that's the point of a crowdfunded game is to give give the gamers, give the fans, the people that are putting the money into it what they want out of I, perhaps a game series that they already like? 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying that the people that didn't participate in the Kickstarter come in or like more casual or not in the loop. It's just going to be really strange for them where they realize like, oh, what the hell is all this? Mm. Um, it'd just be like a little bit of a mystery. I mean, maybe they, they could easily look it up, but it, I think it would just be funny to see someone's reaction of like, why are all these faces floating on my screen for no reason? It feels very 90s almost like the developers would shove their portraits in the game or something like that. Right. Um, Chrono yeah. Trigger. Yeah. Wait, what? At Chrono the end trigger. of Chrono Trigger, right? Mm-hmm. When it was the legendary ones, the dream team, just hanging oh. out and chatting. I actually didn't know that. I learned today. Oh. Well, like, today Toyami's there, and Nomura. Whoa. Someone uh, else that I can Dragon Ball of. and Final Fantasy together at last. Yes, as it was always meant to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, since we, we've already given a couple of examples of like crowdfunding and stuff like that, I wanted to step back a little bit and give just a really quick and dirty like history of crowdfunding. And crowdfunding is something that's been around for a really long time, like a really, like really long time. Like if you look this up on Wikipedia, it's like, yeah, no, the, the first like recorded uh, bit of crowdfunding that's happened is uh, the Bank of England in the 1730s in London. Um, like customers demanded their pounds to be converted into gold. They supported the currency until confidence in the pound was restored, thus crowdfunding their own money. They crowdfunded their own money. Which let's is like go again. Let's do it again. Exception. Yeah, I think the dollar could use it. But you know, now that I think about it, isn't crowdfunding kind of as old as government? Because isn't government just crowdfunded society? It it gets into semantics, right? Of like, like what do you like taxes? Yeah, like, what do you define crowdfunding as, as crowdfunding? But civilization. Yes. <laughs> I, wouldn't the key word with crowdfunding, though, then be that it's voluntary? Because taxes aren't necessarily voluntary, especially in the modern day. Uh, right? well, well, if you're rich it enough, is, it's it voluntary. Is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly. But <laughs> technically, it's that we, by the consent of the people, we are ruled and taxed. Mm. And we're getting benefits out of that, surely. Surely our taxes are I going mean, they toward don't, good things. Surely. Yeah, for sure. Explicitly tell us where it's going. I, it, it'll be fine. Middle East. Even, even though there's several studies saying that if we know where our taxes go, we're more likely to be okay with paying more taxes. Um, yeah, so, God, how, how long can everything in pod go without talking about late-stage capitalism? Let's, let's see. Uh, so... Crowdfunding, as we know it in the modern day, though, uh, we can fast forward into the the 90s, where in 1997, we see British rock band Marillion raise 60,000 U.S. dollars in donations by means of an Internet campaign to underwrite an entire U.S. tour. So oh. that's that's kind of neat. Um, on the because, Internet, that yeah, new the, thing. 1997, that's early Internet. That's yeah, like, that's that's like you've got mail Internet. Yeah, that's like even probably before AIM. Um, well, before MySpace, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band subsequently used this method to fund their studio albums as well. And then, of course, we fast forward into the 2000s. Um, we had the free Blender movement, which was Blender as in the 3D rendering software. Uh, they had a software crowdfunding uh, project happen to essentially get, the, get enough money to back the software to go for free. Um, so that's why we have Blender for free nowadays. It's free, yeah, oh yeah. Um, and then, uh, what we all know as Kickstarter happens in 2009. Um, and the rest is kind of history after that. You could say so, it kickstarted 
the modern crowdfunding movement. Yeah, I mean, it really bang, did bang, and bang. to the point where it, Kickstarter is synonymous with crowdfunding. You know, when mm-hmm. you say Kickstarter, people pretty much know exactly what you mean, even if, you know, something wasn't made like done on Kickstarter. It could be like Indiegogo or GoFundMe, etc. GoFundMe seems like the popular one for medical bills, ironically enough. I don't know yeah. what if there's like some logistics around I, there or some policies that I make associate that more GoFundMe with like very personal, like sometimes need in need of a quicker turnaround than like a kickstarter campaign which is like we've like me and my colleagues or my friends have been planning this for a long time because it's like a more of a like a project for sure yeah like i think kickstarter is kind of the point like it's it's the google of the space right like google is the search engine to the point where you say google that i can google it for you right Mm -hmm. kickstarter is that like kickstart it put it on kickstarter like that's what people think of even though they don't even if they don't explicitly mean put it on kickstarter.com, right? It's it's the same idea. You know, it's it's that synonymous with the space. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, so far we've mentioned like uh, pretty, pretty hefty projects that have gotten, you know, like with like Bloodstained. What was that? Five mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of money. Um, but then money. there's people that are like, I just need like an like 10k or even less than that, and I want to make these pins that you guys you guys like my designs. Give me some money so I can manufacture them and get the pins to you. Yeah. Or if you're on GoFundMe, you ask for money for pins in your body because you need emergency surgery that you can't afford. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Titanium pins. Yeah, yeah, medical system. Woohoo! <laughs> this is what we've turned, we've turned to GoFundMe. Oh God. Um. So, uh, yeah, Kickstarter has had a lot of, like we said before, a lot of successful projects, but we also have a lot of smaller projects as well. One of my favorite uh, memes was the potato salad campaign, which Daily has the details on. Yo. So in 2014, Zach Danger Brown uh, created a Kickstarter for potato salad. He wanted to make some potato salad. Mm-hmm. And his, his original goal was uh, $10. And he earned uh, $55,492. So he made, he made the salad. He did make videos uh, following like here's the salad here's me making the salad here's some behind the scenes of purchasing the things for the salad um he he covered it pretty well and it was really nice because um he it was just you know a meme people didn't have to fund it and certainly he didn't have to be then beholden to do anything other than make this potato salad but um two years later he and um a friend who also has some culinary knowledge, made a potato salad cookbook, and anyone who had donated um, over $50 got the cookbook for free. That's kind of rad. That is, it's actually really rad. It's also a lot of potatoes and a lot of eggs, and mustard and, and mayo. What else goes into potato salad? I don't know. You can find out by donating $50 <laughs> to the Kickstarter campaign to, <laughs> to get that cookbook. Yeah, that's true. With that's- tons of potato salad-based recipes. Oh my different God. potato how, salads because there's no one potato salad i feel like a lot of them would just be like you can put potato salad on this sandwich and that sandwich and also this sandwich and and that one too. i'm sure the the type of mayonnaise and the type of mustard and the type of potato it all 
matters in the end. Um, he could have bought some really expensive ingredients with all that money, but I think he, in the end, made a pretty a pretty average potato salad. Well, I mean, potato salad. His original goal was a ten dollar potato salad. Like it's it is one of those foods where like you can shave as much gold as you want on it. It's still fucking potato salad. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. I, but I will say though, I've had some pretty mediocre potato salads. Has mm. anyone ever had good potato salad? I have. What? My mom makes a killer potato salad. I dare I'm, not question the sparling mother. I will say I <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say it though. I'm gonna say it. I like macaroni salad better. I mean, they're both meh, but sure. I do. Listen, I'm telling you, it's all about the balance between the mustard and, and the mayo. All right. It's a, it's very start delicate. Your, start your Kickstarter, dude. Mm-hmm. Show us yeah. what a real macaroni salad can be. Yes, absolutely. Um, so while we, while we were talking a little bit here, I looked up like what the differences uh, are between Kickstarter. Potato GoFundMe. salad and macaroni salad. Oh, yes. So, right. Yeah. Uh, never drink orange juice, by the way, after eating either of those things. Terrible. Tastes terrible. Um, Kickstarter versus GoFundMe versus Indiegogo. Which crowd- crowdfunding platform is the best option for your small business? So Kickstarter, a platform that focuses on creative projects like art, music, film, etc. Funding is all or nothing and fees are fairly reasonable. Um, a crowdfunding platform, or GoFundMe is a crowdfunding platform designed for individuals and personal causes. No... Uh, no all or nothing requirement and reasonable fees. Uh, Indiegogo, a unique platform that accommodates many diverse campaigns. No all or nothing requirement, but fees can be higher. So that's mm. the, that's the when you're weighing your costs and benefits, what have you, when it comes to putting your project on any one of these platforms, that's something you really have to consider. So I didn't realize Kickstarter was like, so if they give all the money, it's just like, if you don't hit your goal, you just don't get anything. Yeah. That's how it works. That's how it's always like been. At all. Yeah, yeah. And everyone that's- gets refunded. Yeah, like people who donate the money, yeah, they get refunded because um, that's that's how it's always worked. That's why it's such a big deal when people are like, we only have one day left or whatever when yeah. they're doing a campaign. Right. That makes total sense. So mm-hmm. Go, GoFundMe can just go on perpetually until they have the money, it sounds like. Yeah, which makes sense for medical bills. Yeah, because I mean, those, those unfortunately don't just go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Indiegogo is like, Based on this, I don't really understand like what the benefits are. I mean, yeah, you can have like all kinds of campaigns. It sounds like maybe that that's it, but the fees are higher. Mm. Well, I mean, there's still some pretty good projects that have come out of Indiegogo, right? Um, it's definitely not as marketable as a name. Like you can't really say like, oh, it lets Indiegogo that, right? Like it, yeah. it kind of sounds yeah. like you're going to a dance club. Um, <laughs> go that's Indiegogo, guys. That's Indiegogo to go go. That's Indiegogo the, to the polls. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, but CrossCode, that little indie game that's like you're you're in an MMO, and if you die in the MMO, you die in real life. I actually don't know if someone about the dying will part. come and murder I you. If, yeah, I think that's an isekai <laughs> type deal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think the dying part is part of it, but it's it's one of those isometric, you know, like more top down Zelda esque action games. Um, but that reviewed pretty well when it came out, and that was a pretty successfully funded Indiegogo. So it's just another example of like, hey, it worked for once. Rad. Yeah. I, I and two, it I mean it's it's good that all um a lot of these projects at least end up delivering because every once in a while you do feel you hear about the projects like, okay, they got all the funding, but like Oh yeah. 
that might be a, a future episode yeah, of like unfulfilled promises. That's just going to be the title. It's not even going to be like everything in Potteration episode where it's unfulfilled promises. Mm. Yes. Um, and Star actually, citizen. <clears throat> it's been Sorry. 10 years. Um, so according to this article, though, only about 65% of projects on Kickstarter get fully funded within the campaign timeline. I did. I did have one of those disappointing things where um, I so I can't claim to have funded it, but it was this uh, it was like someone's RPG uh, game. I don't think it was in RPG Maker, but it was a very RPG Maker esque kind of style. Um, and my friend had been like, hey, this looks totally up your alley. Check it out. And I was like, yeah, this is really cool. I'll keep an eye on it. And I didn't back it. And it didn't get all of its funding, and I oh, feel no. personally responsible. Yeah, it was all <laughs> even your, it though was like... I, I would have, it would have been like it, like was like, uh, like seven thousand short of its goal. I was so gonna say, that like was totally on me. Five dollars yeah. short, and Daily's like over here, like sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was me. Uh, but it is, it is a little sad when like just very earnest projects that you can tell it's like one person put a lot of love into this. Absolutely. Um, don't quite make it there and whether that's because their ultimate goal was too lofty or just because they didn't get the the reach that they were expecting or the outpouring of support that they were expecting um but that's not to say that it then dies i think people then uh look for other avenues especially when it comes to like games and stuff yeah yeah i think uh that's why when you look at a Kickstarter campaign, it's almost always more of a marketing campaign than it really is. Mm. Like, like your passion will only get you so far, which is kind of the unfortunate part of it, right? Because when you look through the list of the really successful Kickstarters, like it looks like marketing promo material, not just a bunch of schmucks got together and were like, hey, we have this really cool idea. You know? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a pro involved here, someone that has experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, either that or like, if it is a bunch of schmucks, then they probably hire somebody, or at least I hope they would uh, hire another schmuck. Yeah, schmuck too. Um, yeah, unless I don't Watch know, unless that's what they they want to look like a bunch of schmucks and people find that endearing. I guess I, I, I guess that could be a thing. Um, but Robert, I do want to toss it over to you because I know you actually do have quite a bit of examples that you'd like to talk about. Um, sure. I mean, there's Bloodstained, right? I went through that. Uh, right. Exploding kittens. I've never played it personally, and that's I hear illegal not the board game not the heinous act of exploding oh. a kitten oh okay um yeah that game made 8.7 million dollars on kickstarter um again i haven't played it myself but it's it's come around enough where i actually didn't realize it was kickstarted either until i started looking into it like that's how i've seen it in like a target before yeah, yeah that's how like, ingrained it is you don't think about it anymore i mean i i played it myself it's a it's a pretty fun game it's very extremely vulgar um, it's it's very lol random so and, random yeah um like just a lot of um sexual acts being talked about and and uh a lot of a lot of butts gross a lot, and, of, a lot of butts and kittens a lot of, yes and yep. pyrotechnics yep yep yes mm -hmm. i'm sure this is up someone's alley that's just maybe not the, mine that's just the the tip of the tail of the exploding cat that is probably yeah. now dismembered I mean, it just it seems like it's trying to cash in on the same vibe that like Cards Against Humanity had, which ah. Cards Against Humanity. I mean, that's just like lightning in a bottle. You know, that really was just right place, right time 
for how yeah, big someone's just that like became. apple hey apples to apples that's cool what if we just made an adult version of that right exactly which which came first i i want to say the apples think, to apples the, i think did so. the apple fall far from the tree maybe mm. hmm. i'm hmm. i'm actually going to have to look this up now because I'm really curious, but it what that is crazy, though, that how if it is like a small project like that. How they just they, they get so big that they end up in Target and they just become a household thing like that's how much they blow up. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, because now at this point, exploding kittens is just like if you go to a board game cafe in your city, it probably might have exploding kittens. If I had to guess, yeah. it's just that ubiquitous. So apples to apples came out in ninety nine. Mm. oh wow yeah all right i would not have figured his old uh, game and cards against humanity didn't come out until 2011 mm-hmm. didn't exist before oh my 2011. god I remember 2011 simpler Three. times yeah that's uh. right when uh star citizen got announced remember guys yeah oh man and we've all been playing it for the past seven years <laughs> in early access mm. yeah um i have noticed though that at El- I will say, like, with the caveat that, like, it, that's just what I see, what I hear about the most funded stuff. There, ha- there tends to be, well, there is a tendency rather toward like games, but also board games and card games when it comes to a lot of these campaigns. Right now, we have the Avatar: The Last Airbender game, the the tabletop game being funded that absolutely smashed its goal. You know. Yeah, its its goal was uh, fifty thousand, and it's it's up there with five mil right now. Oof. And there's, I believe, there's still time. Yeah, thank yeah. God CBS Viacom's involved to make sure that they're funded, though. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, guys. We definitely need a crowdfunding campaign, even though we're owned by one of the biggest corporations on the planet. Excuse me. Yeah, what's up with um, that? I don't know. Um, but. What what do you guys think it is though about like it's it's games and board games specifically and and board games have made an explo I feel like an explosive comeback or an explosive leap in popularity over the mm-hmm. past maybe decade or so I, I I feel like growing up when I was in like elementary school middle school uh, even into high school I was like I I don't remember hearing people talk about and play board games as much as they do now um, so there's a there's certainly a hunger there and people are are like creating game games to meet it really i mean when i was younger i mean i'm i wasn't as tapped into the tabletop space as i am now and even now i'm no expert right but when i was younger i feel like all the board games people talked about were like monopoly sorry Uh fucking shit garbage you know like (laughs) fucking shit garbage coming to a table that game from my childhood i love fucking fucking shit shit garbage garbage. yahtzee right you know like just the game of life fucking shit garbage edition yeah oh i thought that's what you meant when you said the game of life um is fucking shit garbage (laughs) life is garbage edition so yeah, you get all that, right? I mean, and let's not forget there are Monopoly versions. There's Monopoly gamer version. Fun oh fact, God. that's great. There's so is, many isn't versions. there isn't there literally Life uh, Millennial Edition or is that Monopoly Millennial Edition? Yes, There's probably both. And yes, yeah, both. Um, but yeah, so growing up, I feel like that's what a lot of board games were. It was like that, or like you were a nerd and you played Dungeons and Dragons. That yeah, was kind was, of it when it comes to tabletop. Not much of an in between. 
Yeah. God, I would have been so into it if I knew. If same. I knew. But I was like, nah, it's for nerds. I'm not that much of a nerd, I, I say I, as I read my shoujo beat. You you say as you practice your jutsus and read Naruto. Yes. I thought <laughs> I thought Dungeons and Dragons was a board game until I was about 13, 14 years old. I was like, I mean, so it's a board game? So like it kind of can be, kind, but tabletop RPG is like the way to describe it, right? But yeah. now, you know, as I've grown up and become more aware, you know, there are a lot more board games out there that are just kind of geared toward probably like, you know, young adults to like even way older, right? You know, games like Catan. Catan made it fucking huge, right? Ticket yeah. to Ride, fucking huge. Um, Pandemic was good in. And, until recently. Oh. Man, I... <laughs> Do you guys think we started this? Because we played a lot of pandemic leading up to the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. You know the, yeah, that is kind of a coincidence, is it not? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, Red Dragon, Inn, I don't know if that one's that big, but I'm a big fan of it personally. Um, but yeah, so I feel like now we're just kind of in the space where, because I think our generation, you know, the millennials are getting up there in age, but we are probably the, one of the most tapped into gaming as a generation at least mm. definitely before our ancestors, right? So I think with that carries over like, hey, let's have game night, which means let's come over and play Catan. Let's come over and play Cards Against Humanity. Let's play whatever, right? Gloomhaven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and it's funny that you bring Gloomhaven up because I think that's it's particularly interesting. Gloomhaven uh, is this uh, huge game, like huge role-playing game, like physically large board game slash role-playing game the box is 23 K- pounds fucking christ um funded in 2017 um on kickstarter and they just actually came out as of this recording their the sequel game Frosthaven. uh that was funded shipped out to people via kickstarter um that game is the hardest shipping fees because the heavier it is the more expensive it is to ship yes yes free through free through prime though am i right (laughs) thanks bezos (laughs) thanks jeff um but that's the thing right is like what what's funny to me about like the 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 board game explosion and then the subsequent funding of all these games on kickstarter is like when it comes to board games people are fucking hardcore you know what i'm saying like these these are not simple games these aren't this isn't shoots and ladders anymore that we're talking about like or Candyland. Yeah, eels and escalators. Escalators, escalators. Uh, or now we're getting into like the um, you know, more D and D like games, like uh, House on Haunted Hill, and now we have Gloomhaven. Now we have uh, Secret Hitler. I mean, just stuff that's a little bit more involved, a little bit more complicated. What the fuck? You know what's bothering me is I can't remember the fucking game that Adam Scott's character makes in Parks and Rec. Cones of Dunshire. The it's cones about of the cones. It's about the cones. <laughs> cones of Dunshire, yes. Uh, so games like that, and that. by the way, if that were on Kickstarter, you'd get funded like that. Oh, I don't know why anyone yeah. hasn't done that yet. Here's my favorite thing about Cones of Dunshire, actually. I know season seven, the last season, not quite the best season of Parks and Rec, but one of the best things is that Adam Scott's character becomes like a millionaire because... Cones of Dunshire becomes popular on ki- essentially Kickstarter and he makes millions off of it. So it's true it's in fiction as it is in real life. Yes, it's it's absolutely about to happen. Um, but my point is, though, is like, I wonder why all these that such an explosive hunger for these these board games. They're, 
people are not afraid to play these complicated board games. It is, I think it's an accessibility thing, if I had to theorize, right? Because like a game like Gloomhaven and it is like, yes, it's complicated, but it's, it's accessible in the sense that it's not a video game. There's not you don't have to worry about someone picking up a controller and knowing how to work the controls. It's, you know, like, here's the set of rules. This is what that piece does. This is what this piece does. Right. So now those these people like you don't have to worry about having like a quick reaction time or anything like that. So board uh, games in that sense are more accessible so due to the kids way you interact like with me them. that suck at quick time events. Mm. Yeah, I can play tabletop games. No problem. Could you fucking yeah, imagine that, a tabletop game with a quick time event? Oh my fucking god. <laughs> the heads I mean, wait, would roll. That, There'd be too much panic in one room at one time. Isn't that just a, a game that has like one of those like uh those sand timers that you have to flip up and down? I mean I when guess you have to so. do something. I guess could, I, that's like the closest thing I can think of. Yeah. You got like 30 seconds to do whatever. I don't know. Um but yeah, so I, that's my going theory is like, it's got to be an accessibility thing, right? That's why everyone's kind of jumping on board. This is the way we can play more complicated role play like games without having to invest in, uh, you know, video games. I mean, because lest we forget, video games is an expensive hobby. It really is. I mean, people don't really talk about it all that often because we're so invested in the space. But I mean, you're shelling out hundreds of dollars for, you know, a console you know, hundreds of dollars more in games, maybe. Uh, play gotcha games. Play gotcha you're, games you're like Daily does with Genshin Impact. <laughs> I'm calling out Daily right now because Genshin Impact. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite know if I buy that because I think both video games and tabletop are expensive in their own way. With video they games, are. sure, you buy an expensive console, but then you can play Fortnite, Apex, Legal, or League of Legends if you have PC, right? Like There are a lot of multiplayer games that are free. So once you have the machine you have a huge library to choose from without having to spend another dime. With tabletop, you buy Gloomhaven. It's 140 bucks. And then what if you and your friends get bored of it? Now you got to buy a new game. True. And you're sure as hell not going to buy Monopoly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you to you're totally right. Game. You're, you're totally right. I'm just wondering why, like, you know, these, these board games then are just getting so, so popular. I mean, there's certainly a market for them. They're making I, a lot of money. If you ask me, I think there's just more nerds per capita than there was in the 80s. Ah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. I think that's yeah, yeah. that's definitely true. I think true. it might be and and I could connect this to socioeconomic standing that we're not going down to the country club to play a couple rounds of golf. And instead, we're hanging out in my apartment and playing D&D. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that playing golf is the only thing you can do, but um, you know, going out can be expensive, uh, but if you have the basics that you need for D&D, you can play that over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think it's just people who are getting, you know, older, like mid-20s, 30s, who, like, want to hang out more with their friends physically in the same space and not just play, like, Apex Legends over the mic where we drop in boys kind of stuff, right? They actually just want to be across their table from their boys. Yeah, and I that's actually a good point because I think it circles back to the whole idea of like, you know, multiplayer for games in general. It, if we're talking about video games is is very much online nowadays, right? And the margin of couch co-op games just is, isn't there as much. I mean, yeah, they're still being made. They're not nearly as popular, nearly as common anymore as they used mm. to be. They um, got rid of split screen and Halo. 
How could they? Wait, is that true for the new one too? The new one, yes. I don't believe the the remastered third, right? I think that still had it in there, but they were like not in the future. That's that really sucks. I'm kind of really sad about that. Uh, even the newer Call of Duty still has uh, split screen. Um, my point is though, is like you know, it's uh, people will always circle back to physical interaction, right? Like physically being in the same space as other people in one way or another doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Where that used to be at one time, co-op video games, I think tabletop games are filling a lot of that void is my guess. So crowdfunding brings us together? It brings together the, the crowd with money? Fun, with fun. Fun. Yeah, the, crowd, the crowdfunding was the, the fun we made along the fun way. Fun and the D. Yes, Kickstarter, bringing the crowd, bringing fun and D to the crowds. <laughs> I'm sure we could look at Kickstarter real quick and find some, some D Kickstarters, if you know what I'm saying. I don't some know. Just dirty ones. What yeah, you, what yeah. You there we go. Thank yeah. you. Yes. It's it's the newest and most futuristic uh, sex toy there ever was. The I don't know the Ass Blaster three thousand or something. Mm-hmm. But in if terms someone of... hasn't started that, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, just I'm like, sure you could get funded. Not necessarily by me is like, what I'm saying, but in. someone will fund you. <laughs> yes, we're letting the Ass Blaster three thousand hang. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> Fidget Cube, that's that's something that I also didn't know was kickstarted. Y'all familiar with the Fidget Cube? Like the OG, Wait. like the Fidget Cube TM. The Fidget the Cube cu- with the switches the and the, yeah. the the nozzles and the doobly-doos all over it. Hell yeah. So you can fidget. Yeah, that was kickstarted. That was wow. a kickstarter. Yeah. It's kind of rad because like that's something I pretty rad like, you know, it's not a revolutionary thing. And in fact, I, I remember reading somewhere that no study has proven that the fidget cube helps. But like, I'm sure there are people out there where maybe it's placebo effect, like they buy it and it helps them, even though it doesn't clinically, scientifically help them. Maybe it's like, cool, I have something to do with my hands now. Right. And yeah, you know, as far as as Kickstarters go, where they release the product out in the wild, I don't think I could complain much about the fidget cube. I don't have one, but, you know. I, I have an off-brand, which I'm ashamed to say. I didn't realize there was same. a V-brand. Uh, um, like you got the f- the fudget square. Yeah, yeah, that. But it has all the same doohickeys on it, and it is very, very, very satisfying to sit and fidget. play with the doohickeys. Yeah, fidget. They, they were prizes at Dave & Buster's when I worked there, if that tells you anything. Hell yeah. They were off-brand, I'm sure. But, like, that, yeah, I did not know that was funded on Kickstarter. That is mm-hmm. very well, we're interesting. Just now learning that it, there is a brand, the Fidget Cube TM. Yeah, um, I don't know. So it, it but f- crowdfunding is definitely just an interesting thing because anything that people want to be a thing just be a thing now. Like if people are just like, yeah, I have this idea, make this exist. People, you just got to trust that other people think that it's also a good idea. Mm. Or think it's such a bad idea that they just want to fund it and see where it goes. I don't know. Yeah. 
something I appreciate about uh, Kickstarter specifically is when there's uh, tier pledges because you can decide how much you want to be a fan of this thing basically yes like you can like if you really really believe in it you can shell out enough and you'll be like mentioned in the credits or you'll be you know featured like a picture of your cat will be featured in the game or you'll get 80 fidget cubes if you give 849 dollars or more um or um you can just give like a dollar and thank you yeah be a supporter that's it just thanks mm-hmm. and yeah. i i there's definitely been projects where it's like i might not want the final product out of this because it's a very expensive final product but i believe in what you're doing yeah i mean i love the tier for ritual of the night where i could pay ten thousand dollars and have koji garashi come to my house and punch me in the face mm-hmm. ah yes See, you you joke but there are some really fucked up tiers out there well, you know like you tell like there are some that are like you spend five thousand dollars and you get to write a side quest for a game stuff like that and it's like how how confident are you in in humanity <laughs> that you think someone's gonna pay five thousand dollars to write a good side quest for you as opposed to you paying them five thousand dollars or probably less for them to write you a good story or a good side story you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff that that's where it starts to get really, really hairy. And I know we're talking about a lot of we're trying to focus on a lot more positive stuff. But that yeah, that when when you're involving people in your creative process, that's when it gets it gets really hairy. I mean, because there was that whole thing with with the Stanley spinoff show for The Office and that got funded. And Gus Johnson did a whole video on that. He's like, yeah, I gave these people 10 grand so I could be on the show and I actually be in the writer's room to like help write an episode. Um. And like, I don't know why the fuck you're giving people that sort of creative agency over this yeah. thing that you're you're, you're doing, um, because that is all that's a lot. So that stuff Cause, is scary because there can be people that have a lot of money, but are just terribly unfunny. Or could you imagine? All right, here's my vision. Stanley is a neo-Nazi now. And it's like, OK, <laughs> here's, your 10, for this. here's your ten thousand dollars back. Please never come in here again. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's got to be some caveats in there. There's got to be some fine print. Maybe not in this particular situation because this particular situation is really weird and you can watch more about it on Gus's channel. But like they, you got to have a lot of fine print around that. It's got to be like almost like a Mad Libs fill in the blank page where you're just like here. Yeah, you get to write, quote unquote, an episode, but it's literally just like you get to add a couple mm. adjectives here mm. and there. Right. Which yeah. has been successful Uh, some in some uh circumstances i recently found out that uh in thor ragnarok everyone's favorite marvel movie mm-hmm. when thor sees the hulk and he's like it's my friend from work and everyone's like oh that's hilarious and they used it in every single trailer that was a line come up with by a make-a-wish kid that Aww. had come on set and was like oh wouldn't it be funny if he said like because that's his friend from work because they work together that's cute Oh, that is really cute. I, I that. love that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that a lot. Um, I did, though, want to touch on another topic when it comes to crowdfunding, because the idea of crowdfunding inherently, right, as we noted, especially in Kickstarter and things like that, is you throw money at the thing and that's kind of it, right? You throw the money at the thing, you hope the thing that you threw money at reaches its goal 
and you hope that thing comes out exists comes to your door whatever it is yes but there is another aspect of this which i think is really interesting so uh the new psychonauts game made by double fine uh tim schaefer and crew psychonauts 2 that's about to come out that was actually crowdfunded in a sense so they actually went through a, a platform called fig mm-hmm. uh which is a crowdfunding platform but it's much more appealing towards like venture capitalists and people that really want to invest a lot of money like tens tens of thousands of dollars in some cases not, if not more five bucks yeah and the and the biggest difference is here is you're not just throwing your money at this and just waiting for the thing to happen you actually get equity in that thing yeah and in other words you're essentially a stakeholder oh yeah hold that stake yeah so you you know you can i I potentially make money off of this thing that you're you're investing in um and so it's basically just kickstarter for investors more or less Mm. um interesting thing is the reason why the platform is called fig is because it's named after the figueroa figueroa hotel near near the la convention center where a lot of game developers would meet during e3 Oh, ah, so sense. this is this is very gaming focused. Yeah. Very gaming focused. This isn't very like I'm focused. buying equity in your unflippable umbrella project. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's kind of neat in the sense that it it, it kind of sidesteps the whole process of uh, indie dev gets idea for game, they have to make vertical slice of game, and then go manually pitch to a whole bunch of publishers, right? Whereas this is just like we can put this on the platform, market our game. And then we can have uh, people come in and that like people that are capital, like venture capitalists and throw money at this. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that also means double sided sword is that's not something you can right. just throw like 25 bucks at it. Like I'm going to kickstart that. Right. Like right. shares start at like thousands of dollars or like maybe five hundred dollars, depending on the scope of the game or whatever. But like, you know, you're, you're throwing around serious money for this. It's not just like here's 25 bucks and uh, we'll see it when we see it. Right. The, right. the crowd is narrowed down to those who tab the disposable income to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder, too, then, like, how much agency do they have around, like, hopefully it doesn't, like, mess with the creative vision of the game. Like, is there certain, like, because certain mm. people give the we game can't funding, they can't touch on the content. shareholders. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how much of a factor that plays. I mean, to be fair, you're dealing with that if you go through traditional publishing as well so i'm get i'm i would hope that there's less red tape when you go through something like this because of some sort of maybe like terms and conditions that are there on fig for you if you're a creator and you post there Mm. but i'm honestly not sure yeah and i mean it, it really just kind of depends on the project too right because some projects end up being pretty good from fig and you at least hope that it was the artist's intent that was fulfilled to the end um the the one i'm thinking of in my mind is the outer wilds that uh yeah. that time looping uh space flying game mm-hmm. uh that's getting an expansion soon that was on fig right and that's good shit it's good but it also to me seems like the kind of game that is so risky a conservative venture capitalist would not bank on it because trying to understand that game it's, it doesn't hold your hand there's no real tutorial or anything right so like i imagine very conservative venture capitalists would look at that and be like that's not going to appeal to a lot of people 
you should mm. make it appeal to more people. Whereas oh. Mobius designs were like, no, we have a vision and this is kind of it, right? So I'm just guessing. I do not have any insider knowledge. I don't know anyone at Mobius Studios, so I can't like confirm, but that to me just seems like a project that is very much artistically driven as opposed to shareholder driven. Mm, yes. Which is the the benefit of like Kickstarter crowdfunding where it's just literally like the crowd, the the rabble, if you will, um, coming in and being like, we have a very ambitious idea for a game that's unlike any other. Would you fund it? And depending, again, I think on your marketing materials and your pitch, mm. you could be funded. Whereas uh, something that's very VC-centered, uh, people might want a safe bet. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's that's the thing with something like like games and why this this could be like fit could be a great thing. I mean, I, I definitely want to read more into it and find out the logistics. But from the sound of it. It, it makes publishers or at least people that are stakeholders a little bit more hands off when it comes to the creative vision, because naturally, um, especially games in the indie space are a pretty big risk when it comes to, um, you know, the creativity behind the game, whether that's the gameplay, the story, etc. Because there's a lot of original concepts, a lot of stuff that's never been tried before in a lot of indie games. And we're such it, fucking gamers. Yeah, we we, are. we wound up talking a lot about games. I yeah. mean, admittedly, that is kind of the nature of uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, is that a lot of games start there. There's obviously other stuff too, but uh, yeah, I I think um, games very much fit the the, the project pitch uh, kind of uh, format of Kickstarter. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's it's just games are expensive. That's just really what it boils down to. And it's and it's hard to get a lot of funding, <laughs> period, for things. And so Kickstarter is the route to do that. Um, I mean, because it just doesn't cost that much to do something like a book, you know, right. or like record an album. I'm sure those things are happening, right? But we're not going to hear about those as much because they probably don't have that lofty of a of a goal compared to something like a video game that could take mm -hmm. years upon years to make millions of dollars. So I, I think in that sense, what we've talked about in this show today, it's it's naturally going to be a little bit skewed um, towards that sort of thing. Because we're fucking nerds. I yeah. well, I will say though, like, make, I can't imagine though, a board game would cost as much to develop. But maybe in some cases, if they're extremely complicated, like something like Gloomhaven. Um, I guess it depends on how it, much you're doing. But. I mean, production well, like, is obviously like, going to be expensive, like making all the pieces and things like you that. You got art, you yeah. got the actual like product, like printing production of That's your true. assets. You've got um, the the process, the creative process, which I assume would be done by the person that's like, hey, here's my Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, here's because I'm the mastermind behind Gloomhaven. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I think, too, we, it's it's we shouldn't underestimate the cost of tabletop gaming because manufacturing is easily humongous in terms of price like right right the outer wilds it doesn't cost that much to send like five billion bits to someone over the internet so they can get the code and the files to play the outer wilds right like that's right. super fucking cheap but 
shipping Gloomhaven to someone, for one, you need to build the box, you need to build all the pieces, all the cardboard, all of that shit, and then pay for 23 pounds worth of shipping per game. That's true. That's a good right? point. And, yes. and beyond that, in the past year and a half, shipping's gotten even more expensive because of reasons. Because of that. Why? COVID, actually. Uh Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And no, also I, and also no some recent idea. stuff with uh well, because of COVID, yeah, just affecting trade routes and whatnot. So Yeah, so all because of all of that, like shipping rates for board games specifically or tabletop games specifically are actually kind of skyrocketing. So that's not great either. Uh and yeah. definitely all this crowdfunding would hopefully help with that, but it's hard to say, right? Yeah. Um I think, though, that as we begin to wrap up here, I think it's it's pretty fair to say, though, that like if, if you find something that you're confident in and then you, that you find a creator that you like and you find a project that's really cool. Hey, like maybe throw a couple bucks, you know, those couple of dollars can go a long way for certain projects, you know, so um, it's good to, to support indiv- independent creators, uh, games or otherwise. And I, I mean, I think kickstarting ultimately right crowdfunding stuff. I think it's it's ultimately a positive thing would you guys say yeah yes i i I guess i can't where's the evil um uh there's some evil we could talk there is make a whole other episode about the uh what did we call it unfulfilled promises Mm -hmm. but as far as you know a, a very straightforward kickstarter like i need five thousand dollars in order to manufacture uh, these pins or this stuffed animal or this game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're, you're gonna, you're not going to run into scams every moment. It's, I think it's more the exception than the rule. Yeah. I think on the whole, the concept of Kickstarter or crowdfunding is inherently good. It's just like many other things. It's a system that's easily exploitable. Um, ah. and, as we're wrapping up here, I do also want to call out probably one other crowdfunding um, platform avenue that we haven't touched on much, but also would definitely be a whole other thing. Patreon. Patreon, oh, Patreon yes. buy me a coffee, Ko-Fi, all those things where you're, you're supporting content creators. That's a whole other avenue for crowdfunding. And it'd be really easy to get into like who's good at it and who's bad at it, who's delivering mm-hmm. and who isn't. And I'm mm. sure that you, the listener, probably have your own um, personal opinions about who you support and why you support them and whether or not the people you do support, if you do support them, uh, deliver weekly, monthly, or whenever it is that they, you know, uh, post their video on YouTube or publish their newsletter via Substack, whatever it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Let I'm us def- know if you want us to do an episode on Patreon. Because I know in the last couple years, there's been some uh, drama as far as how Patreon uh, works and divides up the monies. Money. Yeah, Patri- mm-hmm. Patreon is an entirely other can of words. I think I could easily see us doing an episode about that in the future. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to talk about there um, around Patreon's fees, it being kind of like the big platform for creators. Um, I mean, it's basically become a household name. Um even. I remember when it was just a little thing and yeah. people were like, check me out on Patreon and was like, what on what? Thanks, grandma. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, uh, yeah, actually, we don't have a Patreon yet, so uh, we don't have any skin in this game yet, so we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Let Fair us know enough. if you want to give us money yeah. on a monthly basis. You, wanna, you guys want to give us money? Can we have money, please? Um, I had to close out on one more Parks and Rec reference. Come on. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. Okay, guys. I think that about does it for our kickstarting successes episode. If you want to find us anywhere on the interwebs, you can find us at Everything in Pod. On Twitter, you can email us everythinginpod at gmail.com. Tell us what your favorite Kickstarter campaign is. Indiegogo campaign, GoFundMe campaign, all the crowdfunding stuffs. Are you running a crowdfunding campaign? How's that going? We want to. We want to know. Tell it. Tell us. Tell us how that's going. What's that like? Uh, yeah. But otherwise, if you want to keep it locked right here on Everything in Pod, we'll be back next Thursday for another episode. Till then, goodbye.